0: On today's show, do you ever feel like you're just way too busy to actually spend time growing your business? If so, you're not alone. We chatted with Will Gibbons, whose work is really cool. He works with clients like Peloton, 3M, and Vizio, but Will's got a problem, a a great problem. He's got too much work, which means he's busy, and he's worried he doesn't have time to actually grow his business. Clay and I help him punch through those barriers in this episode of Freelance to Founder. Here we go.
1: I'm Preston. And I'm Clay. And this is Freelance to
0: Founder. Clay and I have both been there, barely making ends meet as a freelancer, knowing there has to be more. But since then, we've each built multiple six or seven figure businesses. And now it's your turn. On this show, we're changing the lives of everyday freelancers just like you. Discovering this podcast a few months ago really like changed the trajectory of my journey.
1: I'm not sure I would even be thinking about pushing this forward as much as I am if it weren't for YouTube.
0: This has been really helpful and I I think a good mindset shift for me.
1: Really, really valuable stuff. I've made a ton of notes and I plan to put this stuff into action immediately.
0: Discovering that I'm a founder instead of a freelancer has been
2: amazing for me.
1: If you're ready to push past hourly rates and build a business that sets you free, then
0: you've got to join us. You can call in yourself by visiting freelance freelance2founder.com.
1: We can't wait to chat with you. We'll be back with today's caller after this.
0: When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com freelance spelled babbe dot freelance rules and restrictions apply okay we are excited to be uh back on the air today here with our friend will gibbons thanks for joining us will yeah thanks for uh allowing me to be here yeah absolutely and as always joining us on the air today is clay mosley from Dripify. get com. hey clay how you doing hey how's it going good man uh i'm pumped to, to chat with you guys today because right before we pushed record will actually said uh you know, when I signed up a month ago for this coaching call, some things have changed. And now I want to talk about scaling because I'm just getting basically, or I'm reading between the lines that basically he's getting a lot of inbound leads. So that's a great problem to have. And I think it'll make for a great conversation today. Will, let's back up though, just a little bit and and start off the episode by telling Clay and I and the listeners a little bit about your current
2: business. Yeah, no problem. So, pardon me. I'm the owner of Will Gibbons Design, and I'm an industrial designer who's become more of a rendering expert over the years, and I create visuals for businesses that design and sell like physical products. Uh, everything I create is CGI or done in the computer, and um, so I normally begin with like a 3D model of a product, and then I use a render engine, uh, which is like a virtual studio um, in the computer, to create cameras, lighting, materials, animations, and then I render those out... To either an image or an animation for post-processing. And then the result that I get from that is like a photo real image often used for say e-commerce or social media marketing or packaging or product launches. And so the benefit of going with CGI is that um, I'm not bound by limitations that most photographers and videographers would face. So I can create images before the physical product is actually manufactured. And it's often cheaper and more flexible than photography, especially with larger and more expensive products. So that's kind of what I do. And I've been doing that on my own for, I guess, this month marks one year. So not... Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I haven't been at this full time for terribly long. Yeah. Mm Yeah. My mind was actually
0: blown a little while ago when I realized I was watching car commercials and the cars were completely CGI. Like down on the bottom, it said something about them being CGI. And I was like, "Whoa, hold on a minute. Car commercials don't actually have the cars in them anymore. I feel like everything's like everything we see
2: on a screen is CGI these days, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no, there's a good chance of it. It's technology and the, um, the software and hardware has come a long way lately, for sure.
0: So yeah, share with us maybe a recent uh, a project that you've really enjoyed or an example of something that you've done so that we can get a, a, a clearer grasp of the kind of work that you do.
2: Yeah, so a lot of what I work on is protected by NDAs, of course, uh, given that yeah, sure, um, upcoming products or um, you know for whatever reason. But uh, most often, what I'm work who I'm working with is uh, kind of mid to large businesses who have consumer electronics. Uh, personally, just. Uh, out of my own interest, I try to work with companies who create products that I think do good for the world. So I like to work with companies who enable artists and other creatives. So whether it's musical gear, audio gear, um, you know, uh, technology that allows people to consume media uh, TVs and, and and stuff like that. Um, that's been a bulk majority of it, but um, it's not limited to that. Does uh, that make sense?
0: Yeah, cool. So a company calls you up and they have I don't know, a a new electronic something like, do do you have a completed
2: project you could tell us about? Yeah. So, um, right now, uh, let's see the last, probably the most visible or most familiar project is, um, Peloton, they do those uh, fitness bikes as well as uh, yeah. treadmill. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Some people call them coat racks. <laughs> Depends on how long you've had them. It's <laughs> right? an expensive
1: coat
0: rack. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've heard people say. Oh, man, yeah. No, they... Um, we, can, we can cut that out of the show, Will. Sorry. It's no probably worries. an important client for you. Um, yeah, anyway, yes, we've heard of Peloton. Big company.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So they, like, that's a perfect example or case study just because that's a really large product and they didn't have the final units yet when CES rolled around, but they needed all of their marketing imagery to unveil it. So that was a good example um, of where, you know, I could work with their team, their talent, um, the models that would be on there, but then also use the CGI element to deliver what they needed uh, when they needed it. That's legit. That's,
0: really man. Cool. that's, a, that's a big deal.
2: Thanks. Um, and then, yeah, there's, I, I talk about it, but it's, you know, the next product that I just finished up is uh, launching in like two days. So just kind of have to be patient there, but. Um... All right. Well, maybe, uh, maybe by the time we actually
0: publish this episode, we can throw it in the show notes. We'll, we'll leave that little teaser for the listeners. You can go ahead and click it down in the show notes and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll link to the project if we can there. Will, does that sound okay? Awesome. That's great. I love right. it. Okay, cool. So, so you used to work at a company, that trained people to use the software you use. Is that right? Did I understand that right?
2: Yeah, so I've got kind of a winding journey, but the short version of it is uh, one of the software that I used as an industrial designer to actually design products does this rendering, which is all I focus on now. So I became familiar with that through my school uh, when I went to school for product design. But then later I was hired... Uh, by the company that makes that software simply because I was creating free YouTube tutorials and they thought I taught it better than, um, oh, nice. than the resources that I had available. So they hired me to do that, uh, on train or sorry, on-site training in a formal capacity. And that way I would be sent to their customers around the world and work with design teams. So I did that for three years and that's how I became so fluent with the software, And then I eventually parted ways just so I could um, be open to opportunities to work with these companies instead of just teaching them how to use it.
0: It's incredible. I love it. And now you've been doing that for a year. Uh, It sounds like you have some really great clients already. And my guess is when you have clients of that caliber, then they also send you other clients of similar caliber. So it sounds like things are chugging along well. Yeah,
2: really the the there's there's a couple things I was fortunate enough to build a bit of a reputation um for better or for worse uh doing the training that I was doing being the voice behind a lot of tutorials and videos and so um even though I left the the company um that I was at a lot of the people knew where to find me after the fact. So, yeah.
0: It's always nice. And a and a classic tale of a freelancer doing Great work at a company and then deciding to go out on their own but re- but not burning those bridges so you can actually leverage those
2: relationships
0: later on in in your own business.
2: Yeah, and that's a great point. I actually later next week am doing a webinar for the company, my previous employer because again, we are on great terms we work together um, it's 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 really within no one's interest to uh, try to cut ties at that point you know yeah, absolutely. you know what I love about
0: this is so many freelancers wonder whether they should after school, whether they should just start freelancing on their own or whether they should go work somewhere for a while. You know, I'd love Will, your take. I'd love Clay, your take. This for me, though, points out something that I'm always preaching, which is you can build so many impactful relationships, even in just a short amount of time, three, five years, which maybe doesn't feel short when you're just getting out of college, but it really is a short amount of time. Um, You can build some amazing relationships that then lead you to not only understanding how the business works and how to work with clients and how to do the actual work day to day, but also you build relationships that can bring you referrals for your business down the road. It can be a very wise way to go instead of just starting from scratch straight out of college.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Whenever anyone asks me on my for my opinion on that, since I am freelancing now, I always tell them the same thing. I say, go get a job somewhere. You'll learn a ton, just a few years. You know, I, I totally think that's that's clutch. Yeah.
1: You know, that's interesting. I think I think this is a highly debatable topic. Um, I I tend to lean on the other side. <laughs> I-, I I do agree. I do agree that uh, if you don't have, if you're very, if your skills are very elementary, um, I think it's I think it's crucial to go and work for someone and 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 learn those skills. Um, I think I think what to me for me is. And the reason I'm saying this is because when I first started as a freelancer, my, my design skills, they just sucked. And I will be straight up about that. <laughs> uh, and and the first website I ever built, it's still out there. I'm not ever going to share what it is, <laughs> but it's still there. And I, sometimes <laughs> I look at it and I cringe and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I, I built this. However, I will say this though, there, no matter what no matter what uh, level skill set you you're at, because there's always going to be somebody that's better than you. Um, There's the other side of the coin is there's always going to be somebody that's worse than you and needs your skills to make something happen. And so, you know, at that time, it it just reminds me of the fact that that client still needed to hire somebody like me and the product that I produced was satisfactory to them. And so I think, like, no matter what level you are with your skill set, I think there's still a market out there for it. Um, And but so like, going to that question, I think it all depends on whether or not you can sell it. That, that's my thing. Yeah, but but you're all
0: about clay, you're all about like the warm leads warming up a lead, like imagine, you know, you, you go work somewhere for three or five years, and you build relationships with People at companies like peloton and then you leave there and they know that you're amazing at the work that you do because you've been working with them for three years i I don't know if that's how that happened will obviously but but like you know i've seen that happen in my own work i've seen it happen with other freelancers there's like no better way or no maybe not better way there's perhaps no easier way to Mm -hmm. all of a sudden build a, a network of potential clients than by kind of mooching off of an employer for a few years uh, to to
1: build that rolodex I don't know it maybe maybe it's not worth the the sacrifice I don't think there's a wrong I don't think there's a wrong decision here in my yeah. opinion I, okay. I think there's pros and cons to both sides um, it's just uh, I think the question is do you want to develop relationships on uh, with your brand but you're you're gonna be struggling I think at the beginning for sure um or do you want to develop relationships on somebody else's dime? Um, you know, while, while you're, you know, basically getting paid a, a salary or, or, yeah. uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I, I think there's pros and cons. I don't think there's a right Yeah, definitely. Wrong. Cause then right. you also run the risk of like
0: of, you know, you leave and they stick with the company instead of, yeah, instead there's always of that, hiring yeah. you. Right.
2: So there, there are definitely pros and cons to each side, Well, and but I, I think, I think go ahead. Will. the main thing that both are valid. I think it really personality wise is huge. I know as a designer myself and a lot of my peers, the technical creation of the work that, that they're employed to do is not the challenge. The challenge is, um, Personal relationships, communication, being charismatic, learning how to interact with people, how to sell something, how to have the confidence, and all of that for me was learned uh, on the job because I was the face of a company, and I would go out to work with you know companies, whether it was you know Tesla, Nissan, uh, I don't know yeah. Apple, whoever, big companies like that, Dell, whatever, um, that had a lot of clout. So I, at first, I would go there being. Uh, a bit intimidated, but then I had to remember that I was there because I was an expert at something and they were hiring me. So it didn't matter that people who I was teaching had been in the industry far longer than I had. It's that I had, like you said, some valuable information that they could still learn from. And so by repetition of that, that built the confidence that I could then later go out on my own and, and use. And the other thing was, like you said, taking advantage of that time. I was just as active on social media for those three years that I was employed with that company than I as I am now. In fact, probably more so I just kept building, building, building and letting people know what I was doing constantly. And that is kind of what helped make that, um, decision to leave a lot easier. It's
1: hmm. a very good point. Yeah. I like that. It's, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think, uh, you mentioned a lot of good points, like just having the personality, the like, how much risk are you willing to take um, knowing the business side of things? And so um, I'd like to add on to that. Like, I actually think the the perfect answer (laughs) is uh, uh, is to go, go work for somebody um, as your quote unquote day job. But at night, maybe you're developing something on the side Uh, And you're generating the revenue. And then as your side gig, you know, generates enough revenue to replace or almost replace your your, what pay you're getting from your day job. In addition to that, you're also developing skills. Um, I think that's probably the perfect point to to leave your your day job and go
0: freelance. Yeah, I can get on board with that. I mean, far too often we see people who want to freelance. They get a job for the interim, and then they're just stuck there, or they mm-hmm. end up climbing the ladder, or the golden handcuffs, or whatever analogy you want to use. They they just end up stuck. It it is a it is a fine balance, for sure.
1: It's a lot of work too, right? You're almost working oh, yeah. two you you're working two jobs, and I think the problem is that uh, from a lot of people that I I talk to is. Uh, just straight up, they're, they're lazy to do the the side job, mm-hmm. their side gig. And so, you know, I so don't know. Many,
0: yeah. So many people want the results, but they don't want to put in the effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, I want to chat a little bit about where you're at currently with your business. Then it sounds like business has been good. You're getting a fair amount of inbound leads. You're obviously working with some brands that are familiar, recognizable, have good budgets. Uh, what, what, oh, what is it that's maybe keeping you... Well, let me, let me rewind. <clears throat> Our listeners know that when we send a questionnaire to people who want to jump on a call, that we ask where you currently are on the freelancer to founder scale. And you said, Will, that you are currently a one. You're completely a freelancer. You do all the work. You find all the clients. You build the clients. You run the business. And you do the creative work. You do it all. Uh, and, and that you would like to, in the next six to 12 months... Get to be more like a seven where you're running a business you have a few systems in place maybe you're still doing some of the creative work and working on some of the projects but you're really starting to manage a business a little bit more i'd like to take a quick break here uh, for just a couple minutes from our sponsors and then i want to hear from you will why you gave yourself that rating and how we can help you make that journey from one to seven so we'll be right back in just a second Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant, or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane, effective home workout. That's because Hydro That's hydro com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. All right, you're listening to Freelance to Founder. We're back here with uh, Will Gibbons and Clay Mosley. We're talking about Will's business, uh, doing very well so far. And before the break, chatted about his own rating on the freelancer to founder scale he's currently at a one wants to be a seven and will i want to hear about why
2: yeah good question so as you mentioned i am definitely a freelancer and um and this was a bit intentional i had a lot of kind of debate personal debate when i set my business up if i wanted to kind of position myself as a studio with a brand that wasn't my name and everything like that But I realized that I had gotten so far. Sorry, I had gotten to where I have been because of my name and my recognition. And if I create a brand, then it feels like starting all over. So I just went ahead and um, made it clear that I am a company of one, a single person. My own name and my knowledge is what brings the value, um, as far as my clients are aware. And um, so that's what pegs me as a freelancer now. And And as you pointed out earlier, it takes a lot of time. Uh, to run the business outside of just the work that I'm billing for, of course. Right. Now, where I want to go eventually is, that, uh, is, is higher up the scale. And I think I did throw myself at a seven as far as a goal. And that would, kind of like you said, I would be involved somewhat creatively, but um, perhaps a little bit more from a direction standpoint, not quite from a button pressing standpoint. Um, because I find that my... Uh, I really like the process of of generating the ideas and the 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 final like deliverables of the video and everything or, or the animations that I do and stuff like that. But there's a lot between that initial discussion and then the final delivery that uh, at times feels tedious. Um, and to your point, if I was more at a higher level running the business, I could uh, work with more clients. At this point. I kind of get working on one project and then it's like, I'm full bore on that one project with that one client. And then I have to pass everything else that comes in my inbox along to friends, which I don't mind doing, but I'm at this weird stage where I feel like I need to be able to say yes to more projects to realize the revenue required to grow. So I'm in this kind of weird stage.
0: Yeah. And and, you know, you might call it a weird stage. I I would would love to to hear, hear Clay's thoughts, but it sounds like you're actually in the perfect position. If you already have friends that you're handing off projects to, and if you're saying no to projects, you can, you know, we talked about this in a previous episode about raising your rates, you can just charge more if you're turning down projects, or you could start to build a team, even if it's subcontractors at first, you could start to build a team and processes around handing off projects. Instead of just handing them off, instead, you know, you could retain that client relationship Subcontract sub excuse me that my goodness subcontracted out to uh, a friend and then you know maybe collect a, a portion of the profits and maintain that client relationship. I don't know Clay, what thoughts do you have, man?
1: Uh, yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, I, I, we've talked about in previous episodes about raising the fee because because uh, like if you are turning down projects right now, like inbound projects and you're having that consistent problem, then Press and I would both agree that your fee is probably not high enough. Um, I, I Your fee needs to be... Uh, well, actually, let me, before I go into that, where do you think your fee is on a scale of 1 to 10 compared to the industry? Like from 1 being the least expensive, 10 being the most expensive.
2: Yeah, Um That's a good question. Uh, I I would probably say it would be somewhere at. Boy, I'd have to guess a four. And the reason I say that is just because I am not um, I'm not a studio with a bunch of people and and, and all the associated overhead. So compared to a studio where they may need to go to get this done, I am very cheap. But compared to other freelancers, I'm on the high end. I've had companies tell or people tell me that companies tell me that because I am in that weird stage of like I have the expertise. I can compete with, like, say, a very small studio, but um, but not beyond that. Um, and I also live in in L.A. So, you know, uh, my hourly rates a little higher than, say, a freelancer mm-hmm. living in the Midwest. So that's kind of where I'd say I'm at.
1: So so that brings up a question Um Sorry, I want to stop. Do you guys hear that feedback? No, no, you guys are good on the audio. Okay, uh, Preston, you okay? Sorry, I forgot
0: I was on mute. I'm getting it too, but I'm not sure what to do about it at this point. So, wow. Um, okay. I'm,
1: well, I'm hoping it doesn't show up in the final <laughs> in the final audio. You know what I mean? We'll keep we'll keep going. It's just coming up. It's just coming up every once in a while for me. Just yeah, not, me too. Not all the time. So hopefully the it'll be good. All right. All right. Um. Anyways uh so follow up question from that is why do you think like are you pricing yourself at a four um for because you think you're because of the fact that you're a freelancer and not a studio,
2: or is there another reason yeah, so i have my pricing is based on uh, first and foremost making a project uh i don't know if i'd say profitable um I've arrived at my pr- uh, pricing based on where I've been able to sell projects, I guess. Um, I I haven't had a ton of pushback. I, I've had a few say, no, nah, you're too expensive, but I'd say not a majority of them. Um, okay. And when they say you're too expensive, do they say why? Like you're too expensive for a
0: freelancer or just... Uh, you know, no more too much for our budget.
2: Yeah. So it's interesting because of what I do is, is a bit of a, there's a lot of unknowns out there and it's not traditional. It's not photography or video. So sometimes people come in with a preconceived notion of what they have for a marketing budget and they say, okay, we want to digitize our entire catalog. And then there may be sticker shock because they don't realize I have to 3D model everything. I have to create all the labels, the materials, the lighting, the rendering takes time and then I'm post-producing it in editing programs. So I'm doing the work of like five or six specialists all at once, um, which, you know, yeah, studio would charge more for. But I think someone coming into it not knowing that and assuming I'm just a one man doing, you know, one little job, um, my price might seem a little high, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that, that makes sense. So these ones that are coming in kind of ignorant to pricing uh with what you do are they are they smaller brands or are they some of the more well-known brands
2: no this would definitely be smaller brands who are in that that mid-tier probably um where they have probably fewer than 20 employees okay so do you prefer
1: to work with the bigger brands or do you like working with these smaller brands
2: Based on my experience, I've had best interactions and best uh, experiences working with larger brands who have bigger budgets. They seem to be able to identify the value I bring and give me a lot more autonomy.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: So so let's just
1: say that the bigger brands uh, are your ideal client, right? Yeah. So those are the ones, from what you're telling me, are not the ones that are giving you pushback. Is that an accurate statement?
2: Yeah, I'd say so. Yep.
1: Okay. So... Uh, I I think you have to go back like with what you do and you said you do a little bit animation, but animation, the industry in general, I think is very similar. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people who have no idea what it costs to do an animation video. Um, and it, a lot of the smaller brands think it might cost like 500 bucks, but in reality, like a custom animation video costs thousands of dollars. And so, but the bigger brands, they know this, right? Um, but I, I think it all comes down to economics one oh one supply and demand, right? Um, if your demand, if your demand is high, but your supply, basically your time is low, then that means your, your price point is, it needs to be higher. So you might, I think you need to be from a four to probably like a six or a seven at this point, because, yeah. um, uh, you know it's just supplies supplies low demand's high and also from a sales perspective um you your you should be and this is any business uh it, you should not have a product or service where you have no pushback to your ideal client there should be a little bit of pushback and so not so much to where you're getting rejected all the time but i think i think you need to be have a price point where it's a little bit of an effort to sell it in my this is my opinion now i think if you are at that point and i know this doesn't make sense like to the to the listeners like i know a lot of people are saying well why why would i price it at a point where there's some pushback like and and the reason is is because even though you might have a little bit of pushback and your conversions might be slightly lower. Like if you just sit there and do the math versus being like priced at a four out of 10 versus a seven out of 10, like you will make more money. You will. Um, and not only will you make more money, you will you will attract more of your ideal client that way. Um, because like these big brands, they know what it costs to do this type of stuff. And so I bet you, I would be willing to bet these, these companies that are getting quotes from you, they're doing projects from you. Um, When you tell them whatever your price quote is, I bet they're thinking, wow, that's really inexpensive. And then they, they, they just sign on the dotted line and, and work with you. So I don't know. That's my type take on that. Um, So I think increasing your fee is going to be, I think that's your next step.
2: Yeah, that makes it. You, yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, I think the, and I agree. I mean, I, I think the reason I think I realized that fairly recently when I, I saw okay, the average time I'm on a project, and I've actually been getting into doing animation almost exclusively now because it's become, people keep asking for it and I keep creating it, and um, and they're the most time consuming, and so if I'm on a project for six to eight weeks, I could conceivably fill my calendar with six to eight week projects, but based on what I'm charging, I would just be hitting my like revenue goals. Um, and I'd obviously like to be able to do that without being booked 24 hours, you know, 365 type. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's, it sounds to me like maybe the, the problem that you brought up at the beginning of of the show and maybe even before we pushed record. So we'll summarize here, but the, that problem is goes hand in hand with this pricing issue. And from what I understand, it's you uh, you want to be able to charge more potentially you want to be able to scale. And what I, what I'm hearing is you don't necessarily feel like you can charge more because uh, you're not an agency. You know, I heard, I heard words from you like, I don't have the kind of overhead or the kind of mm-hmm. you know personnel costs associated with my projects. I I'm the only one that does them. Like I heard a lot of that kind of talking, and I think one thing that might help with both of those issues, both the scaling and hiring and the charging more, is understanding that uh, quite often clients don't actually pay you for you know your personnel or for the hours that you put in. They just pay you for the final product and and not even really that they pay you for the value that your final product brings and so if you can identify how valuable it is for peloton to have the the right animation videos at ces right that is hugely valuable if they showed up without their videos there would be a major problem right and so it's not about like well, it, it you know it took me six weeks, uh, forty hours a week times whatever my rate is, and I don't have any offices or overhead. I don't have any employees to pay, so I'm you know I'll charge X Y Z. Well, in actuality, you should be saying, "Here's what they've hired me to do, and here's what it means if this doesn't happen for them, uh, and here's what I bet they'd be willing to pay for the value that I'm bringing to their company." So I think maybe those issues can can be solved simultaneously. Because then as you are able to, to perceive the value that you're bringing to your client, you're able to charge more. And as you charge more, you're able to hire and subcontract some of those tasks, or or start a team like a full full time team that can help you with those projects as well. And those can kind of you can kind of step stone bit by bit and up in price, Mm -hmm. up in
2: team up in price up in team until you've got an agency running. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And it sounds like I've heard that written other places as like, fair market value. Like what does this normally cost in the marketplace? And that's one thing that I don't have experience with as I've never been employed by a service provider. I've always been, I've taught in the past. I know the software that I use, but I've never been part of an agency. Like I've never seen how much agencies bill for this type of stuff. Ah, I see. So I have to, yeah, I'm kind of shooting in the dark there. And that's one thing I've wondered quite often. Like, how would I find out how much that stuff costs? You know? Yeah, Clay Clay, do you have
0: any ideas on how he could figure that out? I have a couple, but I'll let you go first.
1: Um, you know, I I <laughs> you could go around and just call around if you wanted to, like competitors and see what they charge. But honestly, I I think the best thing to do is is just to test it yourself. Like I personally don't I don't like because <laughs> I bet if you call your competitors, you're gonna find that it's completely different from one map, spectrum, yeah. one side of the spectrum to the other, and it's going to be. I think it's going to increase your frustration to do that. Um, I bet Preston has a couple of ideas. Um, I would personally wouldn't do that. I would just say, like whatever you're charging now. Obviously, there's not a lot of pushback to the big brands that you're you're wanting to cater to, so I would just increase your price, you know, a little bit um, and see and see what happens there. And I would, I would continually, continuously increasing the price until you get a tiny bit of pushback um, where you're not winning 100% of the proposals that you're getting. Um, I think that that's kind of the price point just going from the, the point that I was talking about before I, my opinion, that's the best way to do it. Um, and so I yeah, don't know, I, press, press I, I have... you might have a couple of ideas there.
0: It's so funny because I was going to say very something very, very similar. And that was, if you're dying to know market value, you could potentially say to one of your clients, hey, would you mind sharing? You know, we're looking at growing. That'll help you. We want to service you better. We're trying to figure out our pricing structure. Could you send me the bids that you got from the other companies on this project that we did together? If you have a good relationship with a client, you could potentially do that. But I was actually going to say the exact same thing Clay said, which is that, yeah, that 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 is almost... As unimportant to me, at least, as how much it costs you on an hourly basis and some of these other outside factors. Again, for me, it comes back to the value that you're bringing the client, and you don't know what that value truly is until you test it and you go up a little bit. I'm I'm the same way. I've done I've done it the exact same way. You just raise your price until you get a little bit of pushback. Raise it a little bit more until you're uncomfortable with how you know if people are writing you off entirely, then course you've gone too high you need to come back down the thing is you can always be negotiated down on a price you come in with a bid that's too high they'll try to talk you down and then you can always accept that lower amount so yeah i think there's some wiggle room there uh I, i would follow what clay said and and keep increasing 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 until you get too much pushback and then maybe right around that spot would be be ideal
1: you know you know a uh really uh, you know what you could do i i've never done this but i think i think it would be really cool to do this if you have uh, those relationships with a, with your clients like a good relationship where you can almost like where you can call them up like like a buddy um, if you could just ask them for feedback and be like hey uh, i just want to get some feedback uh, that will help my business and and basically if you just tell them hey you're grandfathered into this whatever fee I'm charging you. um, But if you can just give me some feedback on what it is that you were, you're willing, you were willing to pay <laughs> um, as a max, uh, you could try that. I wouldn't ask every single client that I would only ask those that you're pretty close to and you have a really, really good relationship with um, yeah. that. That could be potentially some good feedback there. Um, I, I think that's a good way, but yeah, I, I wouldn't go call, competitors uh at all that that's just going to increase frustration um plus also uh i i would also because you had mentioned too like you're in la so you charge uh you charge higher fees like i would i would get out of that mindset because honestly i think whatever if you're as good as what you say you are (laughs) um if since you're working with these bigger brands it sounds like you are I think you could charge the same price, even if you were living in the Midwest.
2: Yeah, no that that Honestly. that totally makes sense. Yep. Um, I think in the past, the reason that came to mind is like in the past, if someone's reached out and they said like, if they've asked me to do something that you know is like really tedious but not a huge project, and and basically I had already turned them down, saying like ah, it's not a fit for my time. Um, and then I think the advice that I gave them was if if they're on a tight budget, they could look and. and Somewhere other than New York, L.A., Chicago, mm-hmm. San Francisco—you uh, know, places where their freelancers located there—I said just as a tip—are likely going to be more pricey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know, you know, it's, it's interesting that you you uh, you say it's not going to be a right fit for your time. Um, have you? You know what I I would do? Preston was spot on as far as like you know outsourcing to your friends who also do this same work um you could still take on that client as as you right uh but you could outsource it to your friend and you could put you can add a little uh little premium on top for management like project management right um so that's that's kind of a, a an option there but you know what i would do too is you can almost take a wait list or you can schedule them out
2: i don't know have you ever done that A good question. So the one, one of the challenges that with that is the short answer is no, I haven't put anyone on a wait list. Um, because, uh, and I don't want to make assumptions here, but I know in, say, the graphic design world, most people can wait to get a new website. Generally speaking, they can put them on a wait list. In my case, it's almost always tied to a product launch. And then they and they always come to me like, we need it in two weeks. We need it in six weeks. We need it in eight weeks. <laughs> it's always a hard So that's So I've gotten in the habit of building a list that I, I stay in touch with. And I say, hey, things are getting really busy. Uh, I'm starting to book out for the fall. Do you guys have any launches coming up? So I'm trying to get ahead of that a little bit. But it's it's been less than a year. So it's not like I have a lot of time to draw on this. So I'm still building that relationship with that list.
1: Yeah, that's a that's what I was afraid you were going to say is that (laughs) a lot of this stuff is based off product launches. Um, Are those product launches
2: whenever they say that is is it with the bigger brands or the smaller ones? Yeah. Usually the larger brands, I mean, usually the smaller brands, I think they kind of know they don't have as much leverage and they're like, ah, just as soon as like the sooner is better, you know, that type of thing. So
1: this, I, I almost want to say, I almost want to say that being a solo freelancer is probably not a feasible thing, a feasible model for your industry. Maybe not. If that's what the big brands are doing, if they're just saying, Hey, uh, we have a we have a product launch coming up in a couple of weeks. We need this. Um, and if, if that's a common thing, if that's a common situation that you're running into, you might have to just scale with a team.
2: Yeah, so I have a tight-knit group of friends who do similar work, and we're scattered across the world. And thankfully, we kind of share work with each other whenever we're too busy. But the latest trend is we're always all too busy. Um, and... And that's and that's where it's like well, that's where I've thought about well hmm, how do we kind of how do I scale? Um, and one thing there, and I don't know you guys may not have details on this, but um, as far as Assembly Bill Five in California, uh, when I was trying to read up on that, it, it again I'm not a law person, but it sure as heck seemed like hiring somebody who did the same thing I do, who provide the same service. Uh, re- would require me to hire them as a full time employee, which is not something I can afford until I start charging more, as you suggested.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't yeah. know about that. Are you familiar yeah. with that, Clay? Uh, no, I didn't know that either. I mean, yeah, it could. I mean, if that's if that's <laughs>
2: if that's the legal, the law, then that's just what it is. Um, that was that kind of big thing that uh, was in the headlines a while back Uh, because it affected Uber and Lyft drivers so much who are employed on a contract basis in this case. um, It's something I can dig into with my, you know, professionals that I rely on to answer those types of questions. But it, but it is something that it it seems like at this point, it's either full time or not at all. And that's where I've been, Mm -hmm. "Hmm." you know, do. Yeah.
1: So I think a couple of things there. Uh, One, I would have a lawyer. I would check with a lawyer on that just to confirm it. Um, But let's just assume that, that that's true. Okay. I, I think there's a couple of things that you can try because with, it, we're talking about time here, right? Like your time is super finite. Um, so I would start thinking about uh, how you spend your time. And we, Preston and I have talked about this in a couple of episodes, but there's, there's going to be a, a few things that you can do. That's going to free up your time, I think. And I would start thinking about, cause you as a solo business owner, you are doing things, I'm I'm sure you're doing things related to your business that is not related to your projects, right? For example, accounting might be one of them or administrative task might be another, right? Is that, that's a fair thing Definitely. to say? Definitely. Um. So can you ballpark for me in a percentage how much of your time working is spent Doing those small things like that that's not related to a project.
2: Yeah. um, So I tracked it. uh, Boy. It's tough because I. uh, I'm not sure if I'm able to give a good answer on that. Um, I know know there's a lot of time that goes to it, but I what I've tried to do is just basically charge enough on a project that I can just stop tracking my time um and not worry about it but i know for a fact that um it does eat into it it does eat into my time for sure yeah you need so
1: first of all you need to track it you need so you not knowing the answer i think is a is a problem um so i think you need to be very clear on what you're spending your time on because like i don't know how much you charge let's say you charge 300 bucks an hour like you know i don't know how you how you charge it or whatever but let's just break it down by the hour um if you're doing a, some administrative task that's a very that's a very uh expensive thing to do for 300 bucks an hour right yep yep uh or even accounting right you can you can you can uh pay somebody to do your accounting which you should, any, any listener that's listening, uh, if you're not an accountant, I think you should, you should pay an accountant to do that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you should step one, figure out where your time is going. Step two, figure out what you can outsource to somebody, uh, that will cost you considerably less. And that therefore will free up some of your time. And I bet you'd be surprised how much time you free up by doing that. Uh, so, because that time that you free up, that could be spent doing projects and that could equate to, I don't know, six to eight more projects or 10 to 12, however many that is.
0: Um, yeah. And, it, and also it could help you again, we're not lawyers. We can't offer legal advice to you or anyone listening, but, uh, that could help you get around potentially if that law is, does work that way where you can't hire uh, someone yeah. who does the same work as mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, now you hire an accountant, uh, a bookkeeper,
2: even like a sales
0: a salesperson or a project management person like depending on how strict that law is yep. you you could deem yourself a project management or a client relationship person and that person could be an animator or whatever title you wanted to give them so like i don't know much about that law but but it sounds like there might be ways to scale around it you know clay and i recommend that you don't hire the same person that you are anyway a lot of times that just leads to uh Uh, frustration and not being able to do the, the various tasks that need to happen in a company. I I do want to, I do want to make sure as we round out this call, um, you know, we've maybe got 10 minutes or so left. I want to make sure that we really answer any questions that you have about the tactical, uh, how to of hiring and scaling because I know that was a question that you had before we jumped on this coaching call what what questions let's turn it back to you, will? what questions can we answer? We can try to go rapid fire here maybe uh what questions can we answer about hiring or about scaling yeah uh, I
2: think that i think yeah I think that really it's it's actually the large picture stuff that I was interested in um just because um you know, I'm, I'm really close to what I do. And I really like what you guys mentioned as far as being able to say, well, Hey, you've got this one skill that is worth a lot on an hourly rate. So just you be that and then hire around you everything else away. So you can do more of that. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I think that needs to sink in and that I could probably take action on for sure. Oh, cool. um, and Cause, and I know that that's going to be easier to find than what I do because, um, I do believe I've kept busy because I'm, I'm in this weird, you yeah. uh, know, I serve a few people with a very specific type of software and and it's not the same yeah. stuff that's used in say the entertainment industry. So there's a, there's a differentiator there. Um, I think, you know, it sounds like too, I may need to talk to, um, you know, like you said, kind of a lawyer and find out what, what the next steps are there. Um, as far as, as far as scaling and hiring, I guess, um, yeah, I think it.
0: Hmm, let's see, or or will I mean t- tell us tell us where you'd like to take the conversation
2: for the for the remaining ten minutes or so? Where, where can where can we help you most at this point? Yeah, no worries. I think it may just be a bit of a um, a bit of a, a, a mind shift. Um, as far I like where Clay was. It seems like both you offered good advice as far as project pricing. I think that that's the biggest thing I need to get over is is the confidence to push that a bit. Um, I do charge per project, not hourly, but on this very last mm-hmm. project, I just wrapped up. Um, I did track every single um, hour the, for the first time because I was curious. So this was, I, it sounds like I'm kind of figuring out what Clay said is you, you really do need to know where your time's mm-hmm. going. And with that, I think I came out just to under a hundred dollars an hour. Whereas my goal is closer to between one fifty and three, like you said. So that shows that there's a lot of room there that I, I either need to cut down what I'm doing in certain areas higher away, like you said, or the project itself needs to become bigger.
1: Yeah. I think it's a super tough thing to juggle because whenever, whenever I, I, we were talking about like tracking your time, I think it's good to track your time on an hourly basis as far as like what you can outsource to people. Um, but whenever it comes to pricing, uh, Preston would agree with this. You, you have to get our, out of that hourly mindset. Yeah. Um, and so like whenever you're increasing your pricing, um, it's uh, Preston talked about this earlier. It's, it's value, but what you're selling is what the transformation, right? You're selling the transformation. It's not what they're getting. It's, it's what, what that, it's what that video or that deliverable is going to do for them. You're selling, right?
0: you're selling like the wow moment at CBS yes. for Peloton you're not you're not even selling an animation video and yeah you're not responsible for the whole presentation but but it's part of that piece of value you're selling mm-hmm. that they get in all of the major news outlets and that they get, you know, a huge feature at the show and that everyone crowds around the booth and all of this stuff that that is way more valuable to them than in, than an actual animation
1: yeah a good example you know do you guys know uh beachbody p90x yeah Mm -hmm. DVDs. Yes. So, so a good example is they're not selling a eight disc or eight disc DVD set. Right. Uh, and uh, unfortunately this is what people, this is how people try to sell their services. They say, okay, you get an eight disc DVD set. What they're actually selling, what Beachbody is actually selling is they're selling an eight disc DVD set. That's a transformational, uh, guide and and video set that will get them a much leaner body getting ready for the summer they're selling the beach body and actually yeah.
2: there's they're selling your friends all going wow you look great yes uh yeah that's a great point and the obviously oh, they can sell the same thing like you want and yeah. across your competitors and 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 your you want lust in the eyes of your audience all that stuff yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm yeah, in fact, I brought this up uh, maybe maybe last episode. I can't remember. There's this framework called the Jobs to be Done Framework. And it, it was um, sort of pioneered by this guy at Harvard uh, in a Harvard business school. Uh, Christensen, I think, is his last name. and uh, And it talks all about, like, the real work that you're doing is not actually the job that needs done. So if someone comes into a hardware store, I shared this example last time they're not there to purchase a drill, even though they are looking to purchase a drill, what they're actually trying to purchase is a hole. What they need is a hole in something, you know, the wall or, or a piece of wood or something. So they go <laughs> in to buy a drill, but they really need a hole. And so you have to almost like think down the line. Why, why, why you ask why lots of times is what he recommends. Right. And you get down to, okay, why do they need an animation video? Well, because they're going to be at CES. Well, but why do they need the animation video for CES? Well, well, uh, because all of the major news outlets are going to be there. Well, why does that matter? Oh, because they want to get a, a feature on, on you know, 100 top tech outlets within 24 hours of unveiling their new product. Okay, why? Uh, because they estimate <laughs> if they can do that, then they can make X dollars in sales. Okay, now we're getting to like a value that you can say, if they're going to make $7 million, then how much is this animation actually worth?
1: Yep. Yeah. You know, Yep. You know. You know what a good activity is? A good activity is you, you say, how much, how much are you making dollar-wise in a monthly basis, right? Uh, let's say hypothetically you're making $5,000 a month, right? Um, and then the next step is uh, how much do you want to make? Okay, I want to make $15,000 a month. Okay, the difference there is $10,000 a month, right? So now you can ask yourself, what by not hiring or outsourcing these tasks, that is costing you $10,000 a month. So I, I think that's a good exercise to kind of think about.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Focusing almost on the, uh is that opportunity cost more or less? I mean, mm-hmm. like, yes, exactly. Yeah. I totally get you there. Um, more, yeah. more being on. Uh, yeah. Cause people are afraid of, of losing what they have, but they should be afraid of not being able to get what, they could have uh i guess <laughs> <laughs> um no yeah, yeah exactly. i like that yeah very well said yeah
1: businesses business owners should be making decisions based off of where they want to be not where they're currently at uh, yeah um if if every business owner was making a making decisions based off of where they currently are in their business they are totally bottlenecking themselves
2: now well 100 well put that makes sense very well said
0: well, with that, guys, I think we need to round out this episode. Will, I hope that's been helpful. We'd love to check back in maybe in a little while, see how some of this has gone for you and where your business is at. Would that be okay? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks, guys. Cool. Killer. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time to jump on a call with us today. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, my pleasure.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance to Founder, a collaboration between Milo, Dripify, and The Pogglomerate.
0: You can find links to my business,
1: mybusinessmillo.com.
0: Clay's Business, Dripify, and of course, our podcasting partner, The Podglomerate, all in the description of this episode.
1: Remember to call in for your own episode at FreelanceToFounder.com.
0: A very special thank you to the members of the Milo and Podglomerate teams who work behind
1: the scenes to make this production possible. To stream past episodes, visit FreelanceToFounder.com or search freelance to Founder wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for now. Until next time, see ya. We will see you guys on the next episode of Freelance To
0: Founder.